Hello, everyone, and welcome back to 2020 Psych. I'm one of your hosts, Claire Hernandez, and I'm joined today by my father. I'll go ahead and let him introduce himself. My name is Dr. Hernandez. I'm a, an American double board certified psychiatrist. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to the fourth episode of the year. We're so thankful that you've listened thus far. We hope you've enjoyed our last three episodes, the content we've put out. So this week, we want to talk about what's going on in world politics, global affairs, particularly in the Ukraine. We want to talk about this week the mental health effects on individuals, civilians and soldiers and everyone that is impacted by a war. What exactly happens during the war and post-war? Well, there's a lot to talk about. Because everyone is affected in the region and worldwide, we can say that the threat of nuclear uh, missiles going off is enough to scare everyone around the globe. But it must be very difficult for the Ukrainians to navigate their way through this very uh, difficult uh, and fearful, scary time, uh, particularly for the children, the women, the elderly. So that's what we want to talk about today into the effects that it's having on, on everyone in the region and, 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 and everybody else worldwide as well. Let's kind of begin the discussion with what has, how has the U.S. responded in regards to this conflict? What has Biden said thus far? And do you think we'll have any further involvement in what's happening over there? Well, there's a lot of help going to aid the Ukrainian cause, cause the war cause. However, in regards to what can be done to help the people that have left their homes, their pets, their families, their relatives, their friends, their neighborhoods, I think little is being done from the American side to help that part of, of, of the cause, and that's very unfortunate. As we speak, almost 2 million people have left their homeland to travel to other parts of Europe, particularly through Poland. So what's been good if anything good can be said about this, is that there's other countries that are welcoming the refugees despite uh, the challenges that that come with bringing refugees into your country. Um, and it must be difficult because just to talk about the vaccination rate of the Ukraine, only 35% of the, of the population has been fully vaccinated. So many are traveling without mask, without uh, the safeguards that they normally might have at home. So it's a tumultuous time over there, and our hearts and prayers go out to all those involved in assisting those that are affected by the conflict. I mean, it's kind of hard to believe, you know, you bring up that stat of the vaccination rate. It's kind of hard to imagine that people that are fleeing their country are even thinking about COVID precautions during this time. And I know we're talking about the Ukraine in particular this episode, but you know, that 
the Ukraine isn't the only part of the world right now that's seeing conflict. The Middle East has seen its fair share of conflict over the last few decades. What is it in particular about the Ukraine that is so significant in Europe that if Putin were to take over, what does that exactly mean for global affairs? Well, just from a psychiatric perspective, it's important to know that when when the Ukraine was part of the Soviet Union, that the Soviets would use mental illness as a way to punish some some of the people, the, the opposition. They would label them as mentally ill and stick them in state ho- in their institute in their psychiatric institutions. So some of the my understanding is that some of the older Ukrainians that they're they don't have a favorable impression of psychiatry. So as it is even in the best of circumstances, psychiatry never gets a, a favorable look in most areas of the world. Well, even I know like isn't like in World War Two, for example, in the concentration camps, yes, it was primarily Jewish people, but it also included mentally ill people as well, right? You know, I believe so. Uh, and so there's always been a certain stigma that's attached to psychiatry, those that are mentally ill. So what we do know about the situation in the Ukraine is that uh, there's a there's high levels of depression and alcoholism to begin with. Yeah, that was going to be my question about what is the mental health state, or yeah, the mental health state of the Ukraine even pre this attack on them what what does their mental health industry look like well again my understanding is that there are these high levels of uh, high rates of depression and alcohol abuse and so i'm i'm sure that like most parts of the world they didn't have the best mental health system to deal with their existing uh, psychiatric uh, needs now so with uh with the, the whole system must be in dis- disarray. There's so many people that need help, again, particularly the children, uh, women, and the elderly, that uh, it must it must be a, a, a tremendous challenge on their on their mental health institutions there. So, you know, I'm sure there there's plenty of literature in regards to, you know, post-World War II, post- Vietnam in regards to PTSD among soldiers. I want to talk about the PTSD that civilians may potentially go through, specifically, you know, children, adolescents. I know there are civilians fighting in the Ukraine themselves. They're not just leaving it up to the army. I mean, even the president stayed behind to fight uh, the Russians. So I'm just curious as to the potential aftermath this is going to have on kids who are in the country that either had to flee or can't flee are in um, bomb shelters right now. What, what do you think is going to be their reaction in 10, their immediate reaction 10 years from now, et cetera, et cetera? Well, there's plenty of literature, as you point out on the mental side effects of war and the reason for that is because it kind of seems as though we're always at war somewhere in the world 
there's conflicts between so many countries on so many continents that it's just there's there's plenty of evidence to review literature from like I said all over the world uh, and that's kind of sad if you ask me that there's literature coming out of the Middle East from different parts of Asia uh, different parts of uh, even uh, the Americas so there's plenty of uh, reporting that has happened in regards to the ill effects of the mental illness effects of war and it's even in our country when you if you want to in the United States if you want to know about PTSD, the best website is probably the Veterans Administration uh, website because they have so much experience because of, of the soldiers. But in the world literature, in regards to the conflicts that occur globally, children and, again, women uh, are the, the biggest victims here. And PTSD for children because of the prolonged uh, exposure to these horrifying events that they go through is something that can probably last a lifetime. So they're going to be traumatized. Uh, sometimes we've had patients that have been from, we had a patient actually from the Ukraine who would talk about uh, some of the struggles that she went through and when she was a little girl. And this is a middle-aged woman that was still having recollections that were, were, that were, that were frightening and saddening to her. So... The, these ill effects will never go away in, in all likelihood. I want to ask, what are some of the most common ways that PTSD manifests itself? Well, there's four different types of clusters, avoidance of the situation, a numbness of the situation, uh, like a startle response, nightmares. These are all characteristic of PTSD. There's uh, a dysregulation of mood with irritability, um, so it's PTSD is very common throughout the world, even in, in areas where there isn't war. So war would just make the, the syndrome so much worse. And what kind of care, what type of, you know, therapy can someone go through to kind of help in easing the PTSD does that is that something that you're always going to live with or is that something that you can work on to eventually for it to fade away well there's therapy and medications to help with PTSD and some patients do do well again provided that they're removed from the traumatic situation that caused them to develop the syndrome to begin with but you know, when you take a time like this where there's already stresses in, in regards to public health, which is the pandemic, and on top of that you add uh, warfare, it just, it's a lot for any, any, any person to be able to tolerate, to handle. Um, even as resilient as people are, uh, especially women, uh, it's just, it can be overwhelming. So do you think it's not wrong to say that if you go something if you go through something as traumatic as war that is always just going to stay with you well it can even you know my father your grandfather he was a as you know a war 2 veteran he was in he was a POW in a, in in Germany for 14 months and he 
he would always talk about what it was like and and so it, it it never went away, and he he developed he had PTSD, which I later learned as a psychiatrist. You know some of the things that Dad had gone through, and and, and the rest of us did as well, just because you know, we were part of the, of the of his family. So it's you know like we both mentioned earlier, there's a lot of literature now on PTSD, but back then, for instance, when my grandpa was a younger man coming home from the war, when there I don't. PTSD wasn't a thing yet, uh, you know, medically. Obviously, people experienced it. Now that we know what we know, what are some of this? I mean, you talked about the symptoms. I'm just wondering, can you, I don't know, like, it just seems like an unfortunate situation you know, what the people of the Ukraine are going through, that they didn't ask for their homeland to be invaded. And it seems like it's going to be interest. It's going to be difficult for them to receive the care that they need, whether that's, you know, supplies, uh, safety, shelter, medications, like what kind of precautions can people are not precautions but what what can people do to do take care of themselves if they find themselves even if they just live somewhere in europe maybe not in the ukraine but they're a little stressed out about is the war going to spread to other parts of europe what are things that people can do to kind of ease that anxiety well of course those are valid concerns but it's kind of similar to what we've been talking through throughout the, the pandemic it's healthy living as much as you can. Exercise, diet, uh, try to avoid social media if you can, because if the news is going to be uh, always bad, you, you don't you, you want to s- sort of uh, keep a healthy distance from it as much as you can. And one of the keys here is to try to control what you can. Uh, a lot of the refugees, especially children, have lo- feel as if they've lost control. And they have lost control. So that's going to be difficult for them to deal with because you need to have a sense of well-being, a sense that things are going to be okay. But when things are so disrupt, so disru- in such disarray, things are so disrupted, you know, there's bombs going off and there's a shortage of things and there's just a lot of death and destruction around you it, it's it's hard to keep a sense of uh, sanity and well-being in those sort of conditions this is something that kind of like trips me out when i think about it i mean social media is a very new thing can all things consider you know when world war ii was happening when the vietnam war was happening you you read about the horrible things in the paper and this story and that story and you know it all kind of seems so far away and so it kind of just leaves your mind leaves the mind open to imagination you interpret the story the words on the page and you can paint this picture for yourself in your mind and then you kind of walk away from it if it's not you know if you're in the u.s or somewhere where the war isn't affecting that part of the world But it's interesting now in this day and age of social media where you have clips of 
what's happening in the Ukraine, bombs, you know, battles, things like that. And then at least like on TikTok, you'll see like a 60 second video of the Ukraine and then a funny meme of someone at dinner or shopping at the mall. And it seems like when the Ukrainian, when the news first broke out, it was all over social media. Everyone was posting, oh, I stand with the Ukraine, all these sorts of things. And now it's, you know, a few days, a week or so later, and it's kind of just died down on social media. It's still there, but it's not as in your face as it was when it first happened. And I think it's like at one on one point, I mean, you're not on social media, so you you just read the paper, right? And you see the news. But it's just so weird to me that you can watch this war video, this really sad audio message of this Ukrainian man, his last words when the Russian soldiers finally like head are there at their area and then there's just like a random funny video like it's just really it's almost disturbing because it just kind of desensitizes people that you know in the U.S. we've never known war I mean if you're old enough to remember 9-11 you can remember how scary that time was but for people my age when we were like two at the time you don't have any recollect recollection of that so it's I yeah I just think it's really interesting how we process traumatic events in the U.S. because I feel like we're so disconnected from these war-torn realities in other parts of the world well in some ways it's a blessing that we haven't directly been involved Uh, but again that's not to say that you know a lot of our our veterans are suffering from PTSD, depression. Many turned to drugs. Many committed suicide when they came when they came back. So, even though we haven't been in the forefront of this, but our soldiers have, and they and they've been, they've been devastated by these ill effects. Just you know, to talk. I remember your grandfather would say that when he was in the hospital in Italy that he was happy to get out of there because he couldn't sleep at night because all the uh, all the, the GIs were screaming at night. There were nightmares. They were having these, these horrific dreams. And so it, he said he was happy to get out of there. And that, that just sort of sticks with me about how uh, they were going through the, the, the nightmares, which is so typical of patients with PTSD. And as you pointed out earlier, back in, you know after World War II, that's sort of like when psychiatry was born in the United States after after the war and trying to take care of uh, of uh, American servicemen that were overseas. So we learned a lot, um, but in other areas of the world, it's they're, they're being devastated. I mean, our, as I, we pointed out earlier, the pandemic it has been bad enough. And when you add uh, the devastation of war, uh, you know, it just, it must be so difficult and, and so, uh, so challenging for them over there right now. Yeah, I mean, I think you bring up a good point. Like our our veterans know war. They've been there. They've witnessed it. They're dealing with the after effects and their families are, I'm sure, very well acquainted with it as well because, you know, they're the ones that their vet- our veterans come home to and they have to see the aftermath of that. But I'm wondering, like, what does it do? What happens on the psyche for 
us, you know, American citizens who maybe don't have any veterans in the family, have never seen that, don't know anyone that's ever been enlisted. And I mean, how, like, what is it? I just feel like it might be, for lack of a better word, like dangerous that, oh, I can watch this graphic video and then just put my phone down and go about my day because eh, it's happening a few thousand miles away. It doesn't really concern me. Like, what does that do to someone's psyche? Well, if you're there, you're going to have a lot of depression, a lot of anxiety. You're going to be scared. You're going to have a lot of trauma, like I said, PTSD. But if you're removed from that and you don't really think it's real, um, I mean, it sort of sounds familiar, right, with the, the pandemic that some people still don't think it's real. Um, some people think it's over now. Yeah, that's right. So it's it's hard it's going to be hard for them and we will feel those effects eventually here um if uh american servicemen are are called out to go over there we know we have troops there but it's just it, it's just this it's thing it's something that sh- is so avoidable that shouldn't be happening and i think that's the hardest part to comprehend here is that these are sort of a self-inflicted uh, wounds, if you will, that man is doing to one another, and it shouldn't be happening. Uh, there's got to be a better way. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, our regards go out to the Ukrainian people. We agree that, you know, Russia shouldn't be doing what they're doing. Putin's a bully and should be stopped. And we just hope that, or, you know, I just hope that it gets resolved quickly so that people can go back to their lives. Well, if you can just imagine if you were separated from your pet for whatever reason, think about how hard that would be in and of itself. Yeah. And so when you have to leave your country to go somewhere else, you're at the mercy of others. And and again, I, I understand that the neighboring countries have been welcoming and, you know, props to them for, for being so kind hearted. Uh, in this really difficult time. So um, we need to be able to do what we can to keep this from happening, to help the people that are there, and to hope that it doesn't spread, that that this war doesn't escalate to the point where everybody's in conflict. Yeah, I mean, we can briefly talk about, you know, the potential... the potential conflict that the whole world can find itself in if things escalated, what exactly that would mean for global affairs if the U.S. had to go over there and, you know, the U.K. had to send troops there. Like, what would happen if there was another World War Three? Well, you know, unfortunately, that's not out of the realm of possibilities. So let's hope that things don't escalate to that point uh, because then we may be feeling like the Ukrainians are with the same direct, uh, if there's an attack on our cities, and and that's a possibility. We don't know. So let's hope that uh, it doesn't doesn't escalate much further than it has and that things will start getting better, that somehow uh, the powers that be come to their senses and, and stop this. Agreed. Well, thank you guys so much for listening to this week's episode of 2020 Psych. We hope that you found some insight, that you enjoyed listening, 
And I hope you have a great day wherever you are. Thank you so much.